Welcome to episode nine of People Behind the Business, a show for small businesses with small teams and huge ambitions. I'm your host, Rosemary Richings. On today's episode, I had the chance to speak to Lisa Klitsch, who is a fellow professional writer, except in a different niche. Um, She is a former nutritionist turned health writer, and uh, she wanted to come on the show to talk about her unique way of selling her writing to her clients. She has a method called the done-for-you content model that she used, and she just wanted to share with us her process and how she filters out um, good health research from the bad health research. So without further ado, I'm going to let her go ahead and introduce herself. So I am Lisa Cleach, spelled with two E's, so L-E-E-S-A, and I've kind of narrowed myself into this little category when I describe my work, and it is health writer, blogging expert, and research nerd. Kind of easy to remember. Yeah, very, very, very catchy and easy to remember. I absolutely (laughs) agree. (laughs) So what made you interested in uh, pursuing your field? Well, you know, when I was in high school, I remember, I'm not going to make this a long story, but I remember climate change was like the newest information out there like decades ago. And so I started in environmental science in university. And then I realized how much the human body is just so amazing and physiology and interesting. And so I kind of Spun my wheels a little bit that way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. In many ways, it is really interesting. So you mentioned that you fell into your line of work on your about page. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, it was funny because I ended up um, finishing university and I worked in industry for 12 years. And then I had to, um, well, I moved across the country to the east coast of Canada where I immediately took up holistic nutrition uh, to kind of follow and, and add to my education. And so I was training to be a nutritionist. And, you know, I was learning how to give out meal plans and how to how to coach people and, and understand their health goals and all of that. And so I'm learning all these new skills, not necessarily new information, but new skills. And then one day, you know, I was active in the community, uh, the online, uh, like in Facebook groups and stuff. And then I, one day somebody asked me if I could write a blog post for them because I was doing my own blogging, but I had never really guest blogged or anything. And I loved it and I did so well with it. And I ended up getting like dozens of subscribers from it all because somebody saw that I knew stuff and I could communicate well. Um, so I, it was kind of like a, a light bulb for me to realize that learning the skills of becoming a nutritionist and counseling people was really interesting, but I was like, it wasn't my superpower. Like my superpower is like understanding the research and communicating the health information to people. So it's so much easier to do well in something that you're already naturally good at and that 
I was doing for so long. I mean, in university, you write so many papers. <laughs> and in my job, part of my job was to write regular reports. So I had so much practice at this already. It just, it, I, it was like a light bulb. It was amazing. And I'm not looking back. I love it. <laughs> and in many ways, it's so essential because a lot of the practitioners are good at what they do, but aren't necessarily good communicators. Which is perfect. It is perfect. Like, I work so well with people who do things really well that I can't do and that I can do things really well that they can't do, that it's, it's, I, it's so good. You know, working with people who have other skills and superpowers that you do really helps to elevate everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's funny how, how, uh, the, the web has empowered that to make it even easier for sure. Love it. I love it. So, uh, Let's go back to the very, very beginning. If you were to go back in a time machine to day one, week one of your business, what would you tell yourself? Let's say you only had a few minutes. Right. Um, you know, I, I really think that it's important that no matter what area you get into, that if, if your clients are pushing you farther or they seem unreasonable or they're um, you know, they're asking as a writer, they're asking for more edits, or they're paying their bills late. All of these things, these negative things that can happen, really is a reflection of them and where they're at right now, and not you as a writer. It doesn't mean that your stuff is garbage, and it doesn't mean that you're not worth the money. Like, it's so easy to internalize our clients' issues because we don't see the behind the story. Like, yeah, for sure. Them not paying their bills well they must think that I'm not worth it or whatever and that's not necessarily true so as a new writer I would definitely try and let I like let the world know that everyone has their own problems and it's not your fault yeah because everyone has their own personal taste too like everyone thinks different things are good and different things are bad and it's yeah so easy especially when it's your words and it's you're the one who spent that those hours for sure. So exactly. yeah, internalize it, and, and it's just it's not. And with time, you learn that oh well, you know this. Everyone has their own things, and and I'm still good at what I do, even if somebody pays their bill late. So uh, how do you find it's best to approach those situations? How have you personally found that really useful? I think that a bit of leeway at the beginning is always necessary. You know, like, unless you absolutely need this bill paid on this day because, you know, you're not going to, like, you have your bills to pay, then you need to get on it right away. So I I like to have a little, a little leeway when it comes to things like this. But also, there may very well soon come a point where you need to just chat about it. And, and being open to another person's position and their opinion and where they're coming from is really important to coming to some kind of middle ground with people because if you think about it, you kind of started working with them for a reason, right? Like it may yeah. be transactional, but you may also believe in what they do. And you, as your client, as a writer, you want them to be successful. Like you want their blogs to do well and the things that you create to to sell for them. So, you know, coming from a let's work together perspective, I think is really important negotiation skills yeah absolutely and 
also just giving them some kind of framework of, well, you want it to be more like this. How does, how does this example look? Or how can we, how can we make this better? Yes. Yes. And yeah. also being clear up front, like clarifying, because it could easily just be a misunderstanding that can be clarified. Sometimes as a writer, I didn't always get on the phone with people. And sometimes the back and forth emails take a lot longer and are a lot easier to misunderstand than just getting on the phone with somebody for 10 minutes. Yeah, because in that case, the big difference is at least you can you can hear you can hear the emotions and right. things like that. Right. So I, I'd imagine you'd be used to dealing with a lot of people that um, aren't as familiar with blogging and content strategy and et cetera, and don't have as much of a background in it. So what's your go-to strategy for making these things make sense? I love bringing this whole content marketing framework to the health and wellness industry. And really the way you communicate anything to anyone, whether it's science or whether it's your sales page, is to, to understand what the benefits for them are, but more importantly, in their words. So you're right, like saying content strategy doesn't resonate with a ton of health and wellness people um, because they're coming from a health and wellness perspective, even though they know they need a blog and they know they should probably strategize their posts and they know they need this for their online business. But framing it in a way where it's like, I can help you get more email subscribers and, and this can lead to more ideal clients finding you because you're strategically planning your blog post. So I think framing it in the benefits and also understanding um, their words, what they would want. And you know how I get this? I, every once in a while, I open up a bunch of spots in my calendar and I just offer everyone on my email list, um, like up to a maximum number, a free 30-minute session just to hmm. talk about whatever. And that way I can hear what they want, hear what they're looking for. Um, it's not even a sales call. Like it's not even me specifically trying to sell them on something. It's just me understanding. But if I have something that can help them with their problem, then I'll mention it. But it's really gathering um, what their concerns are and how they frame that to themselves to really understand your ideal client, which is always changing. Like you're, yeah. you're growing and people are leaving your list and joining your email list and buying products and they don't buy them anymore. And so it's good to kind of I throw these out there every once in a while just to stay in touch. And it really humanizes you too. Because when people are used to just getting a weekly email, you become like an email person to them and not necessarily um, uh, an expert go-to that, that you can help them with like as a real one-on-one person. Yeah, because then they just start to see you as the words rather than the living, breathing person. Right, right. You're just somebody who gets in their inbox every week as opposed to somebody who cares about their success and what their issues are and how you can help them. And and it's, it's really so much, so much of a business is relationship building, whether it's with mm-hmm. your clients, with colleagues, or with competitors, with everyone. I think that's the one thing people forget as well about uh, writing as a profession. That it, there's as much of a customer service element as there is the creative process bit. Oh yes, totally. 
Uh, you know, I got into writing because I kind of like hiding behind my computer all day. <laughs> but, you know, getting to know people is such a different dynamic and it really, you know, it's really great. I, I, I love it. And then it informs your work, too. Exactly. Uh, it doesn't matter what niche you're in. It's, exactly. it's important because then there's always people you can learn from. So right. for listeners... So for listeners that don't know this, uh, me and Lisa met through Facebook groups. So I also wanted to take some time to to uh, sort of talk about how you've used that in your business as well. Definitely. So I was one of like the holdouts from Facebook. The only reason why I joined Facebook, um, is, I don't even know how long ago it's been now, is because it was a group was part of a course that I was taking, a nutrition course I was taking. So I, when I started with Facebook, it was, you know, any new thing is all exciting and you see all these things, these people, and it's so easy to get sucked into that hole. So a hole of time as, as in, oh my gosh, where has the day gone? Yeah. So I would just randomly go everywhere. I would join all these groups and I would just try to randomly help everyone and see what I could learn. And, and it was great. But as you're, if you're serious about building a business, you really need to structure your time and not have like four hours of your day gone um, in Facebook. So now I have, I don't even go on social media until probably four or five in the evening. So I don't even open it in the mornings. But also when I'm in groups, because I still love participating in groups and I still love helping people. When I do that, I skip over a lot of people who I normally years ago would love to have helped. And, and what I mean by that is, I would go and I would look up studies for people. He would say, oh, have you heard about the, whatever the latest research on probiotics? And I would go and I would look up studies and I would post it and I would be like so conscientious and awesome. Um, but I have to limit my time now. So I look for um, people who I can really help and, and, and with, with the, whatever the research or the writing. But also, which is something new for me in the last couple of years, is I look for people who I can collaborate with. Yeah. Like other writers like you, other writers in different niches or other people in the same health and wellness niche, but who don't do writing. They do social media management or their VA or a graphic designer. So I think that uh, the novelty, I guess, has worn off. And now I'm a lot more strategic with how I use my time there, because we all know, I mean, if you start at four, you could be done at seven and realize that it's, oh, my gosh three hours. <laughs> My life is gone now. What have I done? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to get sucked in. And, uh, with, with, that's why with social media that isn't groups, I found it really useful just to automate some of it at least just so, right. just so that cause so many hours can be spent just, just like tuning into this conversation or right. this promo thread or, Etc. Yes, I I totally agree. So it's kind of putting on my what do you call it your professional hat and saying okay I'm going to be strategic now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just going to lose it all the time. So how else have you used those uh, collaborations through that uh, environment to help your business? Like what have you found useful? You know, there's so many cool things that people do. And just 
um, you know, even asking to be involved in something is amazing. I'll, I'll tell you an example. I, oh my gosh. So somebody found me and I don't know if it was through group or through Google or something, but she found me online. Now she's in England. Okay. I'm in Toronto. She found me online and we clicked immediately. We had a call. We just we were like totally on the same page when it comes to health and wellness and credible research, evidence-based information on the internet. And we're now working together. Wow. So it was through this kind of, and, and she's in England. Like I would never have known about her uh, through, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I would never would have actually met her like online and social networking is so important. So it's just so, it's so cool because I, you know, so especially sometimes if you feel like you're a bit of a, a oddball in an industry. Yeah. And you're like, no, I, not everybody's on the same page as me. I go on these Facebook groups and everyone's talking about this and I totally disagree. And then you find somebody who's like, I agree with everything you say and everything you do. How can I work with you? Like, it just, it just makes it so, it's just amazing. Yeah. I've, I've found it really magical in that way too. I, um, I ended up collaborating with like a branding strategist when I redid my website. She was all the way in Japan. If it wasn't for, wow. if it wasn't for the internet, like there's no way I would have ever met her or talked to her or anything. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so something I've, I've noticed can be a problem within your field is that, uh, you have to really like pick between the studies that are val- <laughs> perfectly valid and are kind of, and the ones that are bullshit for lack of a better word. How, how do you, so could you talk about like what uh, some of the ways you've found useful for making sure that your clients are getting good sources of information? Right. This and this is huge. And and the thing with this is it's almost ironic that um, you know it's both an art and a science to wade through the science. So um, there, I mean, there's very objective ways of looking at the different types of studies. You know, obviously, you know something that's done in rat liver cells is not necessarily going to work in an actual human being who yeah. takes a supplement orally and swallows it. So there's that is like a immediate like, whoa, this doesn't really apply. You know, and then even when it comes to studies in people, there are so many different ways that scientists can do studies in people, whether they're just observing what people do, which is a lot of nutrition. A lot of nutrition is just asking people, what did you eat? And see whether or not they go on to develop certain symptoms or diagnoses or whether people with certain diseases eat a certain way. It's very um, observational. So those are great because you can't really, it's really difficult to intervene in somebody's diet. But it's these intervention studies that are the, uh, you know, quote unquote, gold standard where you're actually changing something about what a person is eating or about a supplement or a placebo they're taking. Mm-hmm. But really, when it comes to studies, the ultimate, and and I and whenever I, I have a client or, or do PubMed searches or whatever, you got to filter by review. So a review study is the one that looks at many different studies and people, takes all the data, 
looks at the best studies and then comes up with a conclusion. Because man, there, I don't know if you've seen the chart where it's like everything causes and everything prevents cancer. And there's like a graph of all these red dots all across the page that this thing causes, you know, red wine causes cancer, certain types of cancer, these 14 studies, but it prevents other certain types of cancer in these studies. And it's ridiculous if you look at just one study. Totally ridiculous. And also some stuff too, like can, uh, can be swayed just because some company uh, gave another. it a bunch of money, someone a bunch of money, yeah. just to say we can find the cure, we can be the, we can be the one that solves this. It's right. So sponsorship, looking, and then once you find the highest quality study, looking at all of the other underlying factors that could what we call bias, that can uh, bring bias into a study, and sponsorship and funding is one of them, but it's not the only one. Even the way some people do statistics can introduce bias. And, and it's just, that's what I love. Like science is so, it's such an objective way of looking at things, but there really is so much creativity and art in, in figuring out the best ways of doing it. And you know what? Nobody knows everything. Like seriously, there is no ultimate, you know, person who knows everything about uh, their area of science. Like there are experts who are amazing. And they're even learning new things every day. Yeah. Yeah, because there's always, there's always changes. There's always new things found that no one really had any awareness of, for sure. So cool. So what ways have you found useful for keeping up? Because especially with your services, that's such an essential part of things. Yeah. And it's so, I feel like it, an oddball here because I love it. Like if all I could do all day was just look at new trends in whether it's blogging, content marketing, or whether it's research, I would do that. Um, so I, I kind of, my strategy is again, and I don't turn on social media until after I've done my work, but Twitter, I personally find it was my first social media network when I was still working full time. And I find that the lines of communication there are so free and open. Like you can literally jump into any conversation anywhere. And, you know, you don't have to be a friend or have these special privileges. But also the science community on Twitter is so open. They, and they openly criticize each other too, which is what I love about the science because it's about the information, not about who is telling the information. But it's also in the blogging community, blogging and content marketing. They're huge. Everyone's talking about the latest trends for SEO or, or you know, how to do, uh, you know, the new algorithm for Pinterest. Like, these kinds of things are, like, the information is always being shared. And Twitter is kind of that network that people are sharing new, up-to-date information quickly. Like, it's not necessarily stuff from three years ago. Yeah, and there's there's more. You can get a larger depth of the argument, too, by looking on there, for sure. Especially how people's criticisms of what's being shared really opens my eyes to things because um, one thing that we know from social media and all the algorithms is that we're shown more of what we like. So we kind of end up in this information bubble where we think, or because all we see on Facebook are things related to the things that we have liked, we think that it is easy to think that 
this is all of the information there is out there. And how can anybody not understand this information? How can anybody not know this? But really, with by looking at things that specifically counter your perception on something, and not necessarily taking it on, but just being open to hearing the criticism of it, it really opens your eyes to, number one, is what you believe true? But number two, if these are the concerns people have, how can I communicate things better by addressing these concerns? Yeah, and also by also getting not just the practitioner point of view, but the the patient point of view and the patient's family and et cetera, which can add a lot of dimension to it. Exactly. So I, yeah, I, I love Twitter for new information in both of my fields, the health and the blogging. So on a related note, the um, I always found a really cool part of how your your marketing your work is that you've used that done for you content model. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about that and how that helps? Yeah, it's totally it's totally interesting because um, once I totally you know hung up my shingle as a freelance health writer. You know, my clients were people who were willing to pay hundreds of dollars or and two hundred dollars and three hundred dollars for a blog post that was specifically custom researched and written for their audience. But there were so many other people out there who want who who contacted me to work for them and I told them my price and they're like, uh, I really like that you're like evidence based and and I really like your style, but I can't afford that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's this whole idea was well, if, if I write this on your topic, then I, you know, will you let me sell it to other people? And there was, everyone said yes, like people did in mind. So my first four or so done for you posts were specifically requested by a nutritionist personal trainer out in um, Western Canada. And from then on, I just kept doing this. So I found that a lot of people they know content is king, quote unquote, and of course how you promote it is so important, but they wanted good quality content because this, this industry, this health and wellness industry is like $3.7 trillion a year. Like yeah. it's and growing. So how are you going to stand out with a random 500 word blog post on five reasons to drink more water? Yeah. So they want really good high quality um, information and, and content that they can promote and build their own expertise with, but they couldn't afford it. And so I'm like, you know what? I can help you with your business and help grow my business at the same time if we just work out these little arrangements. So I think that's how I'm doing it. I think that spans across a lot of different industries too, because that's the reality of what client, most clients are paying for. They don't understand how it works and they just they're also just busy people so they need the content anyways exactly they need the content they either don't like or don't know how to do the research and writing or don't have the time right yeah and then if they want the content and they're and it's just it was a win-win so i just ran with it because if i can have pre-written um you know articles on my website for download then they can just download it and put it up. And the thing is, I have two little real good tips for anyone who wants to 
look at any kind of done for you. Number one, you got to customize it to yourself. So you can just copy and paste and publish, but you know you're not the only one with that blog post. So I highly recommend you spend a little, consider it like 80% done and you need to add your angle, your words, your images, your headline, like that kind of stuff to it. But the second thing is to know how many other people are going to be getting that blog post because I cap my at a limit. So once any, I have my plugin automatically set that whenever anyone is sold uh, the 50th time to the 50th practitioner, it's automatically discontinued. So knowing how many other people have it is something to consider when, if you're, if, if you're serious about standing out in an overcrowded and growing industry, you got to customize and you got to make sure that there aren't going to be like thousands of people with the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the most important part. And do you typically, do you change up anything to work with, with like the realities of one organization to another or would you leave a spot for them to like adjust things accordingly? How would that work? Like, you mean when I have it pre-written, then allowing them to customize it? Yeah, yeah. So, so does the client customize it or yes. uh, based on their information or yes. how does that With, work? Yeah, so this isn't a freelance thing. So what happens is people, um, like my clients who want these blog posts, they come to me, they say, I want a blog post on this topic. And that's as far as it goes. I then do all of the research and I do all of the writing, I do all the editing, and then I put it for sale. And then it's really up to them to take that, you know, 2,000 plus word blog post with dozens of scientific references and they spend the time to put in their angle and their, you know, images and their stories and their case studies and their examples into it. Um, so it is like a completely different arm of my business than my freelance writing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it, it would be for sure. Yeah. So, uh, what, what kind of tools have you been using to, uh, translate the more technical medical, medicalese to, uh, English? Yeah. I love that. Medicalese. It totally is the Like, absolutely. <laughs> Times where I'm reading a study, and I mean, I, I've been doing this for, I mean, I graduated university in like 2000, right? Yeah. And so, with my master's, so I, I've been doing this for decades. And there are times when I have to read a sentence, like a three times to really understand what they're trying to say. Um, so there's a couple of things that I do. One of them is I have taken courses on how to um, speak English, like like science communication courses. Uh, how to do simple science writing. So that, that helps to have, um, an experienced person kind of take you through that. Um, but also, one of the things that I like to do is I'm always keeping in touch, like through social media with people and their concerns and how they describe them. So I'm, I'm always learning about my ideal clients and their language, but I also keep, as a writer, I think this is a good policy across the board. Mm-hmm. The last thing that something is due, is the only thing I do that day is a final edit. So I essentially give myself until 24 hours before it's due to have it done. Like research, written, edit, everything. Then I sleep on it and I do a final edit on the very last day to really make sure it flows and it does well. 
I mean, I've used tools, and we all do, uh, probably. Uh, Hemingway app helps make things really simple. Oh, yeah, that one's good. Um, helps with uh, grammar. Uh, there's another one that I've purchased that I really like. It's actually uh, one of my favorites called Pro Writing Aid. Um, but even with the recommendations that the software gives you, you still need your brain to smooth it all out at the end because it just doesn't understand things the way you do. Yeah, for sure. Part of the art of being a writer is being good at communicating to your audience. So no software can take that away from you. Uh, my partner does health writing, and uh, I find that that uh, one of the most beneficial ways uh, he works around that is he'll he'll just like show me a sentence and he'll be like, does this make sense to you? I have my sister uh, read some of my stuff before I send it out as well because she she knows a bit about health and wellness. She's very interested. She's you know, an instructor uh, for um, fitness instructor, um, but it does help also to have some other eyes on it as well. Yeah, definitely. Software. Yeah, exactly. Because software is good to a point, but it's not nearly as smart as the human brain. Yeah. So what are the most common misconceptions that your clients have about blogging, uh, especially ones that want to reach uh, non-practitioners? Yeah, the blogging is really interesting because... I, I didn't, honestly, until a few years ago when I really got into blocking, I didn't realize how much strategy and research and tests people do on all of the blogging and content marketing trends. So it's really interesting. Um, I think there's two things that I would keep in mind when it comes to really being successful at blogging. And the first is to have really good content because the research shows that the most shared blog posts on social media are almost unanimously 1,500 words and over. So having something that's of quality is going to get a lot more traction than a random 500-word post on why you should drink more water, right? Yeah. So that's number one. The second thing is the once, and everybody knows this, everybody knows that when you publish a blog post, you need to promote it. So they publish the blog post and then they send it to their newsletter and they send it to their Facebook feed and they send it to their Twitter and all of these things. But then for so many people, they stop there. And I'm like, no, you have an awesome piece of content now. You've got to get it out there over and over again. You need to schedule it to be shared, you know, weeks, months, even a year later, if it's evergreen content and most blog content is evergreen content. Yeah, yeah, it's very rarely uh, the case where... Exactly. So I'm like, I'm I'm really on this pedestal now telling people like, you bought an awesome blog post for me. You gotta get out to the world like over and over and over again. I mean, how many times have you clicked on a link in social media and you're taken to a blog post and it was published in 2015? Yeah, or sometimes even longer ago than that. So if the content is good and it is evergreen relevant, get it out there more and more often because everyone has a blog these days and there's so much noise on the internet. You have to stand out and you have to keep in front of your ideal clients on a regular basis. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So uh, walk me through an average workday. What does an average day look like? So I have average mornings, and then every day is sometimes different. Um, and that's one thing that I love about working from home is that I can push my time frame around a little bit and I have more flexibility. So I have, um, like, I wake up and I have a coffee and I spend about an hour in front of the computer and no coffee doesn't cause cancer despite all of the crazy headlines. <laughs> um, I got my coffee and then um, I have two kids that are in grade school. So I get them up, they get themselves ready, and then I walk into school and I take, now that the weather is nice, I take a nice long route back by myself to clear my head and then I jump on my computer but the thing it's key for what happens throughout the rest of the day like from say 9 30 until 4 or 5 is what I planned the night before so I do my work that was in my calendar that based on due dates and everything and, and the time um, I know it takes to do things and then at 4 or 5 I you know go on social media for about an hour then I plan my calendar for the next day. So it's real. I think one thing that has been instrumental in helping me move forward with my business is logging my time. I literally logged every 15 minutes that I worked through the entire of 2017. Hmm. And I know how long it takes me to research and write a thousand word blog post or to create a 200, a 2500 word done for you blog post. Or to like all of these things, like I know how long it takes. So now it's I'm not freaking out at deadline time <laughs> that I have so many things that I promised because I thought I would be able to do it in like an hour and a half, except it's taking me five. Um, so I think it's really important to know how long things take. Um, so then I plan those into my calendar. So if I know, like for example, I have something to do this Friday for a client, I need to get this done by Friday, I know it's going to take me at least you know, two or three hours a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then, of course, the last day is the final edit. So planning in advance and not going on social media until you're done your work are really, really important. They've really helped me be more productive, I think. And knowing, too, can be so important because, of course, clients are going to ask those questions. They're going to be like, when can I expect this? And understandably oh, enough. Oh, of course, and, and when I started out, I didn't know. I just kind of thought, oh, this will take me forever or many hours. So I'll charge you this much money. Yeah, no. No, when you realize that how long it actually takes you, you get really good at quoting jobs that are going to be reasonable instead of, you know, at the end of it realizing you're only making minimum wage. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I made a similar mistake in the beginning, too. I would, yeah. I would charge hourly and... I would expect a certain amount of hours and it would always, it always be either less or more than I expected. So what are you working on right now? Any long-term goals for your business? Yeah, well, I think everyone should have short long-term goals, ideally. I think that um, a long-term vision for me really is this whole world of science and evidence and, and, and bringing it to, in a lot more concrete ways to the health and wellness world is kind of my, I guess, underlying mission. Because not only is there 
so like I want to I want to create I want to help get a bunch of like leaders in the health and wellness world because let's be honest there's health and wellness people sometimes get flack for the types of recommendations that are made for certain things that are happening and I see this on Twitter every day which is why I like seeing people whose views contradict mine. But my long-term goal is really to have a bunch of leaders like in every single niche in the industry who know their stuff, who know the evidence, who have amazing results with their clients because they are not making a recommendation based on like a study of some rat liver, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like it's actually good information. They're having success and they can feel so empowered because so many people graduate from the program. It doesn't matter what program you're going to. It doesn't matter where you graduate from. But when you graduate, you still feel like you're brand new. You don't know, you know, you may not know enough and you're not sure. So there's, there's credible place to go to get educated and learn and really embrace the niche that you're in and be the leader that people look up to. Like be that person that people are like, oh my gosh. You're working on digestive health. Well, you have to go through that person. They always know what they're talking about, and their clients get amazing results. So that's really my kind of long-term. I guess it's a lifelong. It's not even a year. It's like a lifelong strategy. It's a good one, though. It's. I think it's important, really, for for all writers, really. Yes. Yes. It's. It's. So that that's always in the back of my mind. How do I? How do I? bring more of the the research how do i communicate it better how do i address people and really know what they're looking for and at the same time build leaders in the industry build their businesses and get them known for being you know the the amazing person to go to because they know their stuff yeah the back of the hand that's my thing so to sum things up, to give listeners three words, uh, what three words best describe your business and why? What three words best describe my business and why? I would say lifelong learner. Hmm. And I think it's not just about me. It's not about me being a lifelong learner, but it's about everybody. It's about the industry. It's about writers. It's about holistic and and non-holistic practitioners and health professionals, everybody. If everybody embraces this whole concept of being a lifelong learner and always learning new things and challenging what they know and growing with the industry trends, whether it's trends in your niche or whether it's trends in blogging and content marketing in general, like always doing that to be ahead of the game is the way people are going to be successful. I think Things are changing faster now than ever before. Yeah. So I welcome all lifelong learners. <laughs> it's a good philosophy. <laughs> so uh, where can listeners find you online? So I have a super, uh, not easy to spell, but um, very unoriginal uh, name for my business. It's just my name. So it's LisaKalich.com. My first name has two E's, so it's Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, and the last name is Kleech, K-L-I-C-H, and just LisaKleech.com. And I'll put that in the show notes, and also uh, for anyone that 
doesn't think they can remember or they're driving or whatever it may be. Thank you. All right. So thanks so much for being on the show. So nice having you. Oh, thanks so much, Rosemary. It was such a pleasure. I'm so excited for for your podcast. And this has been fabulous. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard and you would like to keep up to date on future episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening device. And I also have an active newsletter for podcast updates and etc. And the link for that is available in the show notes if you'd like to opt into that. And of course, tell all your friends and I'll see you soon on future episodes.